how to avoid idol worship even in the 21st century. That's next on today's edition of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Hi there, and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Pastor Phil will take us to 2 Samuel chapter 22 today. That's the foundation for our look at what we are to think of when we think of God. And to be honest, you can get to a point of idol worship thinking about God because we oftentimes want to restrict our view of Him to one specific attribute. Therein lies the danger. For the details, let's catch up with Pastor Phil Howard for today's broadcast. God is not a created thing. He is the creator. And he can move all of creation to express his will, his displeasure. He can make oceans overflow their banks. He can make mountains move off their foundations. He can make the heavens thunder and lightning. This is an awesome God that I call my God. Bring up your gods. Bring up your Hitlers. Bring up your despots. Bring up your greatest of human beings. Bring up your wealth. They cannot move the stars, the skies, the ocean, the earth. Our God only can. This is the creator God. Notice what he says. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. Think of a person that out of their mouth the burning coals. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. The cherubim were over the uh, Ark of the Covenant, and David uses poetic language like God was riding them, riding the spirit beings, riding the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and scattered the enemies, bolts of lightning and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. My God rules all creation. Jonah, when you get out on the Mediterranean, the Lord is going to send a storm that nobody can get through. Uh, Balaam, you, don't, you want to curse my people? I'm going to move on a donkey to preach to you and knock you into the wall so that you can't curse my people. Daniel, don't worry about lions. I'm in charge of the lion kingdom. Just lay your head on their stomach and sleep through the night and have your prayer meeting in the morning. Hebrew children, don't be afraid of fire. I, I'm the thing that can take the heat out of fire. I'm the creator God. All these other toy gods can't do anything. I want you to know our God. You see, we live in tame country when it comes to weather. Earthquakes are a little nerve-wracking. But has everybody, anybody ever been in the Midwest when a, a thunderstorm or lightning hits? 
It is, uh, we, uh, when Kelly and I got married, a week later, I started a revival in Van Buren, Arkansas. She'd never been in the Midwest. And we'd have the Sunday service, and we stayed at the church. They had a, a room off of the classrooms. That's where my first week of being married, I was staying in a church classroom on my honeymoon. She's never forgiven me. But I remember Sunday night after the meeting, I went over to Pastor Dugan's house and we ate a little bit. And so we went home and stayed at the church. And I had stayed in Oklahoma in the summers with my cousins, my aunt. I knew a little bit about that weather. But listen to me, you, you California folks, if you've never been there, everything gets quiet. How many Midwesterners know what I'm talking about? Quiet, just kind of still. And we're just laying there and about to go off to sleep. I'm holding Kellen's hand and I, I don't know if I said anything, but I thought it's too still to be Arkansas at this time. <laughs> that thunder hit, that lightning hit. That girl lost five years of her life in one night. I mean, she jumped up and that, what, what happened? I said, no, it's all right, it's all right. This is Arkansas. This is Oklahoma weather. Scary. Out of nowhere, watch that lightning dance across fields. And David is saying, when I, in my journey, look back on my life, the God who controls lightning and can hurl it at my enemies, who can open up the Red Sea in a moment and let Israel run through, who can shake mountains, this was the God who brought me from taking care of Jesse's sheep and kept me all these years. This has been my God, and he's my God. Is he your God? We don't have a twinky, decrepit old God. He is alive and powerful. He's ancient of days. He never has a birthday. He's eternal. He's the eternal same. He never ages. He knows everything. I wish this generation saw him for who he is. He's not a Santa Claus. He's the mighty creator God that's all powerful. Amen. Well, he says in verses 17 through 20, he's the God that reaches down to rescue me because I've been in a lot of jams. Listen to what he says. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. Now, David, we never have any experience of his that was like this, but this was a typical way to describe death, near death. And so he's using watery grave to describe it. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. Have you ever been around enemies you knew were stronger than you? Stronger than your ability to escape, left to your own strength or own resources? David said, I didn't have a chance. I wasn't smarter than Saul or the Philistines. It wasn't just because I was a good fighter. My God rescued me. Not I was just slick, smart, exceptional. No, I had a God that was rescuing me. He would even get off his throne and stoop down to get me out of a jam. He said, look at it. He rescued me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because 
He loved me. He delighted in me. I could say that about my God. <laughs> He's rescued me from one peril after another. He rescued me, me from being a Christian young person in this area, trying to live for God. Rescued me from a drug culture that I could have got into, but he, he spared me. He rescued me from bailing out on Christ in high school when being a Christian was unpopular, lonely, and uh, you felt like a Jesus freak. Uh, he rescued me in dating a gal when morals were zero in a culture. He gave me morals because he gave me the fear of the Lord. He rescued me from people who have tried to hurt me one way or the other. He's rescued me from this temptation, that temptation, that enemy, this enemy. Has your God been rescuing you all your life? All your life. He's the rescue God. He's the rescue God. If I was to give you a spiritual IQ test, it would be no brighter than a sheep. And sheep aren't known for doing anything but getting lost. They're dumb animals. And God didn't compliment you when he called you a sheep. You say, you're giving your guardian angel a hernia just watching over you. Just think of how much stuff you've been, none of us know how much we've been kept from. But God would stoop down, and the greatest stooping act he ever did is he stooped all the way down to a manger and finally stooped to the death of a cross that he might rescue me and bring me out of the mire. I remember my dad telling stories that in the night an intruder tried to get in the house. He heard him come up the stairs. He prayed. He heard him go down the stairs and make their exit through the garage door watching over us. I tell the story of when he was in the air, working for an ironworking company, connecting something, had high voltage wires that were supposed to be shut down. The company foreman and owners were out there to see this dangerous procedure. And my dad's up there, I don't know how many feet in the air, high enough to be killed if he falls, be fried into pieces if that current is alive and when he throws the wire rope the choker across and the flames go and the sparks go then everybody's waiting for this man to stagger and fall to his death all of a sudden they see these hands go up all day all night he started singing angels watching over me my lord all day all night Angels been watching over me. Children of God, hear me well. You wouldn't be alive another 24 hours if the devil had his way. He'd kill all of us. But somebody is rescuing you. Somebody's keeping the church alive in this world. And it's against the devil's will because he's a killer and a murderer. He wants to kill you. But someone bigger than him is rescuing you moment by moment. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Well, I must keep going. Uh, our God rewards righteous behavior. Look at what David says. The Lord has dealt with me in verse 21, according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. Now this sounds a little self-righteous, doesn't it? But what he's really saying is David spent the majority of his life pursuing God. 
and fighting the battles of the Lord. He said, I've kept the ways of the Lord. I have not done evil by turning from God. All his laws are before me. I've not turned away from his decrees. I've been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has re rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. Wow. Now, I want you to turn to a passage that would just boggle your mind. 1 Kings 14. Now, did we not study about David going to bed with the wrong woman? How could he say this? You think he never sinned when you read that. Maybe that's the way we write our memoirs. But God won't let him get away with it. Um, look at uh, 1 Kings 14. He's prophesying against Jeroboam, who's a wicked king. And in verse 8, I tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. But you have not been like my servant David, who kept my commands and followed me with all his heart, doing only what was right in my eyes. Look at 15.5. For David had done what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not failed to keep any of the Lord's commands all the days of his life, except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. David's overall life was spent fighting God's battles, doing the right. And he's saying, God, you have rewarded me for doing the right. For doing the right. God rewards you for doing the right. At the present, you may suffer for doing the right. You may never think they'll wreck it. You might lose your job for doing the right. But David said, God has richly rewarded me for doing the right. For his sin was the exception not the pattern of his life. His sin was the exception. Some of you may be living in sin all the time. You're sleeping with the wrong woman all the time and you think it's okay. David did it once. He sinned. God judged him, killed four sons, and God says, that's the only issue I take exception with David. As a whole, he was a man that pursued me all of his life. What a remarkable biography. People will always remember the mistake you made, the sin you made, not God. He forgives and he forgives good. He wants to know what the pattern of your life is. Aren't you glad for that? Well, let's keep going. Our God responds to right and wrong behavior. Just carries on the theme. You know, the way you treat God is the way you should expect him to treat you. How would you like that? Is that fair? Or do you like it this way? Let me do him bad, but he's got to keep doing me good. Well, God in righteous behavior has a way of letting us know what we're doing to him by he returns to us what we're doing to him. He wants us to get the lesson. And so we find here, look at this. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. I'll see people say, well, God never does bless me. No, that'd be a lie. God could not keep from blessing you. Have you been faithful to God? None of us are perfectly faithful for sure. But God says, I'll return to you the behavior you give. And he goes on. If you act blameless towards me, I'll act blameless towards you. You act pure towards me, I'll show myself pure. But if you take a crooked 
divisive way, I'm going to come back with shrewdness. Uh, if you act humble towards God, God's going to exalt you and save you. If you're haughty, he's going to bring you low. Uh, and he goes on to say that uh, when you have darkness of trials, God alone can be the light of your life. God treats people like they treat him. And the amazing grace is he's even good to his enemies. That's the amazing thing in salvation. But you know, once you become a son of God, you should no longer act like an enemy towards God. When did you start acting like his friend? When did you start acting like uh, whatever he wants of you, you'll do? When do we give up giving him a bad time? And just say, I want to bless your name. I want to honor your name. I want to keep your commandments. That ought to be the bent of our life. Not to give him, don't be stubborn. You can't win. You can't win. If you're God's child, you can go out to that far country, but you won't win. You'll come back broke and smelling like hogs. And only a father's love would kiss you. Just like he did. He outloves us far beyond. But I'm amazed when I show a little bit of faithfulness towards God, whether it's with my money, time, if I seek to be blameless in my behavior, if I seek to really do things right, he comes back blessing me with right. He gives back more than what I give. I reap everything I sow. So why not sow good? And David's saying, God's not passive. He doesn't just, oh, it doesn't matter how my kids act because they're all spoiled brats anyway. No, no, no. David said, I sought to honor him. He honored me. I offered humility, he offered me deliverance. I had darkness of trial, he offered me the light of his presence. I offered him good, he gave me good. If I offer him bad, I receive bad. It's a marvelous, marvelous relational thing. He goes on to say, God routed his enemies. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He's going to begin to tell you how God just acts like a warrior. He's a shield for everyone who takes refuge in him. God, for who is God besides the Lord and who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. Isn't that beautiful? Comes right out of the minor, the minor prophets quote this. Other words, when the enemy are chasing me, I can run up this mount like a deer. And you need to be in Israel to see that's not easy. A lot of shale, a lot of dangerous wadis, a lot of dangerous little canyons you can just fall off to your death. But he says, I scale the heights like a deer. Who enables you to do that, David? The Lord. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He trains my hands for battle. You give me your shield of victory. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. He goes on, I pursue my enemies. I crush them. You arm me for the battle. Remember, these are pagans. They're trying to destroy Israel, destroy the God of Israel. And God raised up David. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. I beat them as fine dust in verse 43. You've delivered me from the attacks of my people. 
you have preserved me as the head of nations. Then he says, verse 47, the Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God, the rock, my Savior. He is the rock who avenges me, who puts the nations under me, who sets me free from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes from violent men. You rescued me. His final thing is, I will praise a God who has been gracious to me. You've shown your unfailing kindness to your anointed, to David and his descendants forever. If you were to take out a piece of paper right now and you reflected back on your life, and you compared either your idol, the gods who are ultimately going to disappoint you, or the true and living God, what could you say God has done for you so far? What has he been like to you? Has he been a rock? Has he been a refuge? Has he reached down and rescued you from one sin after another? From one wrong relationship after another? From one wrong choice after another? Has he not been the God that has had to stoop to have any fellowship with you? He didn't reach up to find you. He had to stoop down to find you. In the muck, the mire, and the messes of life. That's where I discovered God. When things were dark, when I didn't know my way out, when I did not have any clue of what to do, you were there watching, delivering, loving, caring for me. What a God. Who would not want this God? You can have this God as your father if you'll come to him through Jesus Christ. This is the God we're trying to give away that nobody wants. This is the God of the gospel. Would you like for God to become your father, your guardian, your provider, your protector, your Adonai, your Yahweh, your Elohim, your Jehovah Jireh? Would you like all of this just for believing and trusting in Christ and repenting of your sins? You can have this God for your father. Amen. You just must come through Jesus Christ. Amen. Through Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. This God wants to become your father. He wants to become your deliverer. All you got to do is say, admit, I need help. I want a savior. You bring no, you, br you know what? Let me tell you two things. I always say to God, I need you, Lord. But I always add, I want you because everybody needs you, but not everybody wants you. What God says to me, I want you, but I don't need you. God wants me, but he doesn't need me. I don't add anything to God. But what I found out, I need God, and I want God. Now, you need God, but you may have never told him you want him. But to as many as are willing to come and receive him by faith, to them, this God becomes your father in a moment, in a moment, and all of his resources will be on your behalf and never used against you. What an amazing thing. Never will he use his resources against you. They'll all be for you. Therefore we say, what can separate me from this kind of a God? Nothing. Life or death, principalities of power, things present, things to come, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing can separate me from the love of God. 
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together has come to a close here, but as we leave you, we'd like to do so with our address and phone number if you'd like to contact us, and we would love to hear from you. You see, Truth For Today airs here on KFAX in part through financial partnerships with our listeners, such as yourself. If the Lord is prompting you to make either a one-time gift or be a monthly donor, we would love to hear from you. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. Please take a moment and contact us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And as our way of saying thank you for your partnership with us, we'll make you a TFT sustainer, which includes our quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, into your email box every week. Again, it's all part of our TFT Sustainers Package. Contact us and learn more at 855-833-9864, or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org. And you can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you stop by our website, valleybible.org, please remember other resource materials are available there. Other series is taught by Pastor Phil, some of the books that he's authored. You can also find out about Valley Bible Church, who we are and what we believe, how to get here, times that we worship, and you're more than welcome to join us. Again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org. Stop by and pay us a visit. Then drop us an email and let us know you did pay us a visit. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Mm -hmm.